I'm Pastor Dustin. I'm one of the pastors here at Life Church, and welcome to Church Online. If this is your first time watching us, we'd love to hear from you. Just leave a comment or a like, and let us know that you're watching. And also, if you need anything, you can always visit us at lifechurchutah.com, and we'd love to be able to pray with you about anything. If you'd like to participate in giving today, you can do so by texting the word LCGIVE to the number on the screen. Once again, thank you for watching Church Online here at Life Church Utah. God bless. Um, back a number of years ago, I uh, had to travel to a farm. This was when I was a youth pastor out in uh, Greeley, Colorado, and got to go to the rural. I mean, Greeley, Colorado is kind of rural, but even got to go more rural. How many of you grew up on a farm? Anybody grew up on a farm kind of, kind of way out there? And I remember getting directions uh, from the guy who went to our church. His, name, his last name was Roth Armel, so it was the Roth Armel Farm. And uh, we had the opportunity to go to that farm, and I remember getting directions to this farm. Now, he knew where the farm was, obviously, because he lived there. I had never, ever in my life been there before, and this is pre-GPS days. Anybody remember pre-GPS days? Where you relied on paper maps or good directions from people. And uh, so he proceeded to sit down and talk me through how to get to the Roth Armel farm. And the directions went something like this. I got to say, I can't remember exactly what it was, but went something like this. All right, pastor, when you start on that road, just keep driving till you think you went far enough and then go a little bit further. Right? Those are the directions we got way back then. Like you, you'd see a, a large cottonwood tree, and when you see that large cottonwood tree, and I'm thinking to myself, I see lots of cottonwood trees out there, but he's like, no, when you see the large cottonwood tree, you know, and he'll, he'll give you a story about that cottonwood tree, something similar to this, you know, and you drive by that, it'll be on your left-hand side, you keep going till you get to the cattle, uh, cattle guard, is that what that is, in the, in the ground, and once you reach there, just a little bit further, <laughs> and then you'll cross over the culvert, and then he'll go on a story, and you know, I remember when we had to put that culvert in there, had to dig it out there by hand, and grandma and grandpa helped us with, you know, it's all those stories, so you get out there, and then you finally get to the point where uh, he goes, all right, so then you're going to see the farm there on the right-hand side, at the first uh, entrance, the first driveway, don't go there, the baler's going to be in the way, so don't go there, go to the second entrance, and then you'll see me, I'll be waiting for you, I'm like, how are you going to know that I'm coming, he goes, I'll see you from a long way off, right? Because of the way it was out there. And so those were the directions to go to a place I had never been before. <laughs> and I'm like, thank you. Now, granted, in those pre-days uh, before GPS, I only made a few wrong turns. And that was also the days before cell phones. How many remember the days before cell phones? Unless you had like the brick. Like remember the brick phones that people had? So anyway... So these were the directions to get to rural Colorado when I was a youth pastor. It was a road trip for sure. And uh, how many of you remember road trips as a kid? Remember taking road trips? Right, raise those hands there. All right, road trips as a kid. Now, I remember as a kid, what, what, what I remember about road trips was hopping in the car and going. The one thing I was completely unaware of until I became a parent myself and had kids of my own, that there's actually planning that takes place before you go on a road trip, right? I mean, and as a parent, and things like potty breaks. I never planned those in. I mean, the first road trip, it's like, come on, kids, let's make it into a contest. Who can go the longest? All right, so that always ends in disaster. And... Um, as a kid, you hop in the car, at least when I was a kid, 
and you didn't have screens to look at, so you had to actually look outside at the windows. <laughs> it's really incredible. And uh, you'd read. Uh, you would uh, figure out the, um, the capitals of the United States, right, all the different capitals of the states. Um, you would play the, uh, the alphabet game or the... Um, what is that, the, the license plate game, right? You'd go that and try to figure out what, what uh, states everybody's from and who got the most. You'd get a prize, whatever that prize was. Who knows? Maybe Wall Drug, get that glass of water from Wall Drug. Um, so the kids, you know, nowadays, it's like, all right, kids, look at the beautiful surroundings. Look how beautiful God's creation is. Right? Anybody been there, parents? You feel the pain? You feel the pain, parents? All right. And then answering that question that we all have to answer on long road, long road trips. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Turn your attention to the screen. Are we there yet? No. Are we there yet? Not yet. Hey, are we there yet? No. Are we there yet? No. Are we there yet? Yes. Really? No! Are we there yet? No! Are we there yet? No, we are not! Are we there yet? No! How many have been there? Right? We've been there, right? I mean, that is, uh, that is, that's, that's how you know your family loves each other. <laughs> it's how you respond uh, in that moment. So we do our best, right? When we go on road trips, do our best to, to pack for contingencies, hoping beyond hope that we've thought of everything. And so uh, we begin uh, packing ourselves for this on the long road trips. You got, your, you got your shoes, you got your toiletries, you got jeans and socks, extra underwear and all that stuff. And I remember one time, um, my, Jace, our, who is our oldest, he's our oldest son, 16 years old, our only son, uh, 16 years old. When he, he's now like this, when he was just a wee little lad, when he was about one, no, when he was going off to kids camp, probably kindergarten, something like that, uh, Shelly had the great foresight to pack his clothes for him, which is great for a kindergartner. Don't leave them up to packing for themselves. And uh, that's something I would do, right, as a dad. Dad's like, yeah, my kid's got it, all right? So what she would do is she would pack the, uh, pack the bag, and then she would have every, you know, like in a Ziploc baggie, Monday. And then Tuesday, right? And parents, that's a good trick for you if your kids ever go to camp. Pack them like that, then they, then they don't forget. The problem was when we got back and picked Jace up at day five, at that point, we were stunned for a moment as we look and we realize, I think those are the same clothes that we dropped him off in five days ago. And sure enough, we look into look at his luggage, and there they are, still perfectly packed there, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, the entire week, same clothes, same underwear, no showers, nothing like that for like a seven-year-old or something like that. That that's a fantastic journey home when it's like a four-hour ride home with the sun like that. It's great. So it's a journey, right? We've got to figure out what we're going to pack on this journey. There's this new road that we are on, on this road trip. And for us, it's called this, this journey of faith. And for some of you, this, this road started just this last week at Easter. And you, you raised your hand and said, I don't know all that this entails, but I know that I need God in my life. I know I need Jesus Christ in my life to lead me and to direct me. For others of you, it's been maybe a journey of many, many years that you've been on. Sometimes this transformation of our lives is really significant on the outside. Maybe there have been addictions in our life and, and drug abuse and things like that and just, uh, just complete brokenness and we come to Christ and everything on the outside changes and that transformation, everybody can see it. 
Other times we've been maybe good moral people and just good people, but on the inside, that brokenness is there. And we recognize that this radical transformation is something that all of us, or something that happens to all of us when we accept Christ into our lives, this internal transformation happens. And then we get put on a road. We're on a journey And sometimes we don't know exactly how this journey is supposed to go. It's all new to us. We haven't been down that road before, so we don't know what to expect. How do we navigate this new road? And what do we pack for this journey? Over the next few weeks, we're going to join a guy and his wife, uh, Abraham and Sarah, and take a look at their journey of faith that they had, and we're going to find there's a lot of parallels from the decisions that they have made and the way God interacted with them to where we are today. So quick background, when we read the Bible, and I really hope you're reading the Bible on a regular basis. We need to do that in our lives, all right? So when you read the Bible, one of the things that I have found myself in times past wondering or thinking to myself is, boy, when I read this, it seems like that the people in the Bible either had it easier than I have it now, or they're just better than I am because it just seems to work out for them. Right? I mean, it seems like they've got this storied life and this charmed life, and they come to God and everything is great for them. Well, let me tell you, that is not the case. If, if you really read and look at the Bible and the stories and the people that are there, they are just like us. They have a lot of the same questions. Now, they don't have social media. They don't have things like that, of course. But they are facing the same struggles in marriages. They're facing the same struggle with friendships, trying to figure out how power works, trying to figure out how how their lives are supposed to line up with what God is asking them to do. So as we read through these stories, specifically in the Old Testament here the next few weeks uh, for Abraham and Sarah, remember that they are just like us. So here's the reality. A guy by the name of Abram has a father named Terah who begins a journey out of a city called Ur. What a great name for a city, Ur. And it uh, sounds like they're always angry. I'm from Ur. And uh, so, so they leave from the city of Ur. Now, Ur was a metropolitan center, probably a lot like a New York City or uh, a Tokyo or something like that, that this is where life happened and people would gather there and, and it would be a very, very large city by standards of the day and people would gather there and have all of their needs met in that one city. But something begins to stir in this guy by the name of Terah whose son is Abraham, and they leave from this cultural center of Ur. We see all of this happening in the book of Genesis chapter 11. And so then we get to Genesis chapter 12, and it seems like out of the blue, God speaks to Abraham. And so here's here's where we pick up the story, Genesis chapter 12, beginning at verse 1. The Lord said to Abram, So his name here is Abram. We're going to talk about this in a couple weeks, actually on Mother's Day, talk about this name change that happens in Abram's life. But the Lord said to Abram, go out from your land, your relatives and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse anyone who treats you with contempt and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went as the Lord told him. That last statement is craziness. Who this God is, but something is stirring inside of Abram's life, and he says, I have got to respond to what this God is asking me to do. So Abram received this call to leave from where he was. He was invited to step out into the unknown toward a destination that is unknown. Talk about gutsy. Where are we going? Not going to tell you. 
Seriously, God? (laughs) And I think some of you might feel like that. You make this decision for God and you're like, all right, God, what does this mean? And God says, let's find out together. (laughs) Let's go on this journey together, this journey of faith. So to figure out all of this story, we need to go to the New Testament because the New Testament sheds some light on this whole Abraham guy and he's going to help us understand a little, more, little bit more about the decision. So this is Abraham through the eyes of faith. Hebrews chapter 11 is one of the greatest chapters in the Bible. It talks about faith over and over and over and over and over again. And here's what it says about Abraham. Verse 8. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. That's crazy. And even when he reached the land God promised, he lived there by faith, for he was like a foreigner living in tents. The word here is faith. Everybody say faith. Faith. Right? This is not the George Michael song from the 80s. Gotta have faith. faith. That's not it at all, all right? But faith is absolutely central to how we interact with God. In fact, I don't think we can interact with God without faith being at the core. For those of you who are here this morning because God did something uh, in your life over the past few weeks, it's all about faith. For those who are here because you're searching for answers to the questions that have plagued you about religion and how God interacts with us, it's all about faith. For the person who's here today who's a skeptic, it's all about faith. Maybe even the cynical it all goes back to faith. So we need a definition. Turning to the World Wide Web. Don't know if you've heard of it or not, but there's a thing out there called the World Wide Web. It says this, faith is a complete trust or confidence in someone or something. Right? Complete trust or confidence in someone or something. We have faith around us, always around us. Um, I'm going to demonstrate faith for you right now. You ready? Faith, <laughs> right? Why is this faith? Well, even, well, it, it's faith because this could collapse. It could, potentially. Uh, but it didn't, thank God. <laughs> why, did I, why did I feel like it wasn't going to collapse? Because I've seen this used. I, I have sat on stools just like this. I see all four legs there. And, you know, I saw Mike sitting on it earlier. So I am confident because of the evidence that I have seen that my faith is well-founded. And I can sit on this and it's not going to break. That's faith. Every one of you sat down, probably not even thinking about that the chair was going to be pulled out from under. Have you ever done that before? No, don't do that. So, right? So, so this is faith when we sit down. Faith. I have seen some of you drive. It takes faith for me to be on the road with you, right? It takes faith to be in the car with you. That's what my, my family, as I, as I grow older and more mature, I believe my driving skills are getting better. My kids and my wife, not so much. They don't think that's the case, right? So by faith, I think we live our lives and it shows up when we drive. How many of you have flown in an airplane recently? Faith. It's a metal tube with things sticking out from it, with engines on it, and that's what's keeping you safe. That is faith. What happens if the engines stop? (laughs) Right? It's a problem. (laughs) That's a big problem. But it's faith. Every time we step in everything that we do, there is a measure of faith. Walking down the street is a measure of faith. We look even at the sciences around us, which are supposed to be totally reasoned, right? At the core, at the very, very base of them, somehow rests on faith. 
So faith is closely associated with trust. Hebrews chapter 11 says this. This is a definition right out of the words, word that God speaks. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. It's the reality of what we hope for and evidence of things we cannot see. So, so faith, there's a measure of hope with it. To me, there's also a measure of reason with it because there's evidence associated with it. So we have this idea that our faith and reason, that these can go hand in hand together as we serve, as we worship, and as we follow after what God is asking us to do. And trust begins, this idea of trust, trusting in God, it begins at the very beginning. It begins at creation. So what does the Bible have to say about creation in the world around us? Psalm 19, verse 1 through 4. It says, the heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. Day after day, they continue to speak. Night after night, they make him known. They speak without a sound or word. Their voice is never heard, yet their message has gone throughout the earth and their words to all the world. We look at the world around us and we recognize that God is being glorified in the world around us. Romans 1, for ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power, divine nature, so they have no excuse for not knowing God. We look at the around, this is called natural theology. We look at the world around us, and we recognize at the very minimum that there is a God, his eternal qualities, his divine nature, his eternal power and divine nature. We recognize at least that much just by looking at the world around us. Yet the Bible goes on to say in Romans that there are many people that push against that knowledge. Hebrews 11.3, by faith we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command, that what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. God said it, God spoke it, and everything came into existence. It takes eight minutes to get to us. So when we look at the sun now, we're seeing the past. Right? I mean, that's what happened. You see the sun, it's eight minutes ago, that's what the sun looked like. Move that out a little bit further, you've got Alpha Centauri, I think. Um, no, Proxima Centauri. 4.3 years for that light to get to us. That's about uh, 25 trillion miles away. Talk about, are we there yet? <laughs> right? My kid, the other day, we were driving like 15 minutes, and uh, Catherine was like, are we there yet? I'm like, what, really? Seriously? All right. 25, million, 25 trillion miles away. There are galaxies with millions of stars. This right here is the, um, I think they call it the pillars of creation, just a beautiful uh, kind of thing out there in the universe. Millions of galaxies and local clusters uh, with ribbons of matter connecting all of it together in the observable universe. When we look out, we recognize that it's by faith we understand that God made all of this from what was not seen. By the way, this is the Sombrero uh, Galaxy. That's a cool-looking galaxy, but anyway, all right. I love the sciences. I love studying. I, I love looking into that. In fact, uh, I've got another slide here. This is, the, uh, this is like all of, the element, all of the elementary particles. I actually know what some of that means. Like, I love studying this and, and the Higgs boson and the LHC. That's where the, the Large Hadron Collider and the, the, uh, the LIGO experiment for gravitational waves. I enjoy all of that, but my trust and my hope is not in that. Right? And that becomes the difference of how we look at the world around us through faith. Because my trust is in God, not in those discoveries. My trust is in God, not in those things that I can see. I trust God for he alone brings meaning and purpose into my life. Not the Higgs boson. 
although it's a pretty cool particle, <laughs> right? At its root, this is what faith is. It's not believing in God, it's believing God. That's what faith is. The Christian life is about believing God. It's about living by every word that proceeds from his mouth. It's about following him into places where we have never been, into situations that we've never experienced, into countries that we've never seen, because we know who he is, just like Abraham. He said, God said to him, go. And Abraham said, I will. This pilgrimage of the Christian life is a pilgrimage of faith. It begins when God creates faith in our hearts. It's the first stage of our Christian experience. We embrace Christ and trust him for our redemption. But the whole pilgrimage of the Christian is rooted and grounded in that confidence, in that trust, really, that God is who he said he is. That God created all of this around us. Hebrews says of this in this really important chapter in Hebrews 11, and it's impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and he rewards those who sincerely seek him. And so back to Abraham and the story of faith. The Lord said to Abram, go out from your land, your relatives and your father's house to the land that I will show you. So Abram went as the Lord had told him. I'm going to invite our worship team up here as we uh, close out. Now notice that the word faith is conjoined here with the word obeyed. Right? Faith and obedience is something that have to go hand in hand. I don't think you can have a true faith without obedience. True faith without obedience is just a, a nice assertion, a nice idea. But when we obey what God has told us to do, that's when faith takes root. So how does this tie into the decision for God? For Abraham, God spoke to him. Maybe spoke to his heart and said, Abraham, I'm going to take you somewhere you've never been before. You're not going to know that you're there until you get there, and I tell you. And there are those of you who have begun this journey of faith, and you're kind of in the same boat. You don't have it all worked out. You don't have it all figured out. There's still way more questions than you have answers for at this point, but there's something in you. You were sitting in the chair. Maybe you're sitting in right now, and God began to speak to you, saying, trust me. Trust me with your life. And something within you began to stir, and you said, okay, Lord, I don't fully understand it. I don't fully get it. I, I, I don't have all of the answers, but... I'm going to begin to trust you. God calls each of us, and we each have a responsibility to respond to him. And the only difference between Abraham and us is the direction of time. Abraham looked forward to the cross. We look backwards to the cross. His faith was in the promise. Our faith is in the fulfillment of that promise. But the way of salvation was the same for Abraham as, as it is for us today. It's still by faith. It's still by faith. Now, our faith is absolutely secure, right? We have evidence. We've got, we, we, we look around us and we see people whose lives have been transformed by the gospel of Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit living in them. We see that and that evidence around us of things that are unseen, <laughs> the spiritual things, and we go, okay, God, we're ready to start on this journey. So what do we pack on this journey? What are we carrying in this bag? Is it all the stuff that we have here? 
do we pack in here self-sufficiency? Do we pack in here our, our relationship with our spouse as if that is our salvation in the way to faith? Do we pack in here our job? Do we pack in here our finances as if they could buy our way? I would say that what we've got to do is pack this first and foremost on this journey. We start with trust. This is where it begins for all of us. This kind of another word for faith, they're very different, but uh, for, for this morning, trust is really that bottom line part of faith I want to focus on. And so on this journey, this is the very first thing that we need to put in there is, is that idea of trust. God, I trust you with my life. I don't have it all figured out, but Lord, I trust you. God, I trust you on this journey with my marriage right now. There, it is in shambles, but God, I am trusting you with this. I was talking to somebody after, um, after first service, and she was saying, Pastor, really for the first time, I, I feel like I'm able to, to put trust of God in my marriage. It's broken, but I'm trusting God to rebuild it. And I love that. That's the reality of what I think God can do on this journey. This is Pastor Eric. Thanks so much for checking out our Life Church podcast. We pray that it's a blessing to you. For more information about Life Church, check us out at lifechurchutah.com.